1: You're listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast brought to you by Nottinghamshire Live. Hello and welcome to Garibaldi Red, the Nottingham Forest podcast from Nottinghamshire Live. Um, I'm Matt Davis and we're streaming live on Facebook and my picture is on the right hand side of the screen which is throwing me off kilts I'm always on the left. But... um, very pleased to be joined by freelance journalist and Forest fan, Daniel Storey. Thanks for joining us, Dan. We know we've moved this round a few times, but we're here now. So thanks for that.
0: Not at all. Thanks for having me. Um,
1: obviously, we're going to, to look forward a lot, but the scars are still pretty raw for everyone from a couple of weeks ago. I know you wrote about it at the time. How do you look back on the last couple of weeks, the impact it might it could have on the club and just kind of reflections on, if you think last season qualifies as a success or a failure, how do you kind of reflect on that?
0: I think if you'd have offered me at the start of the season, I would probably have taken it. I expect us to finish up a mid-table, um, but you have to put that into context of, mm-hmm. of where we were and, and how promising the season looked at, at one point. Um, I think there was always a, a sense and a suspicion amongst supporters that we were getting results, maybe grinding results out that we didn't always deserve, particularly some of the away wins. But to kind of collapse in such such Forest fashion was was obviously hugely disappointing. I think if you you know seeing the outpouring of reaction kind of nationally from football supporters, mm. um, I think there were probably only one set of fans who who could sort of see this coming, and that was Forest fans not only because of our, our history in playoffs and situations like this, but, but also how the team was performing and how they it felt like they were limping towards the line. And, and Sabri Limucci was, was saying, well, you know, we will improve, we will improve. But we didn't really see that improvement coming. So I didn't see the, it coming quite spectacularly on the final day, I'll be honest. But mm. I think there was always a sense that that something wasn't right. Um, whether that was a kind of inherent fatigue built up over the season, whether it was you know football suspension or whether it was just a squad that was being found out by its opponents. Um, I think there are various explanations and none of them are particularly appetising.
1: Um, like I said at the start, we're streaming on Facebook, so you can drop your questions and comments in for us um, as we go along and I'll put some of those to Daniel. Um, like you touched on there, Collapses in Nottingham Forest sort of go hand in hand for people of, of our age. Where Do you think this was the worst one you've seen? And can you kind of expand on what you think the, the causes might have been? Was it poor recruitment in January, injuries going against them, Lamucci perhaps uh, moving away slightly from the tactics that brought him early success? What, what do you think?
0: Uh, I think the Yover one was worse, to answer your first question. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's the one that hurt most. Uh, that's the one where I I'd, I'd firmly believed, you know, if this had happened in the second leg of a playoff final, maybe this would have been worse. But um, I think the Yover one was worse. Um, and I think there was just a bit of a hangover lingering in the squad that we had this ability to go on really promising runs during the season and then throw in the odd calamitous home performance you know I'm thinking about Sheffield Wednesday as an obvious example Huddersfield away um, the Wigan result wasn't great we seem to do this and against teams all over the division not necessarily against the best teams Uh, I think this is the first time we really found a slump Uh, and I think Lamucci you know not to over criticize him I think he proved himself pretty incapable of getting us out of that slump I think there's a pretty obvious drop off in quality between the first team uh, when yeah. fully fit and everyone else, um, you, know, you look at the likes of of Gravan and Lolly and and even Ben Watson and Sam Bissau and the players beneath them in the pecking order just just weren't up to it. And I think that's partly out of out of the design of the squad. And I think Lamucci had a, a very set first eleven, and it was pretty clear who sat outside of that. And the ideal is that those players, when they come in, prove themselves to be capable of competing for places within that first team, but I think the reality is slightly different. Uh, I think Forrest have always had that. I think it's been a long time since we've had a squad in which it feels everyone is capable of pulling in the same direction at all times. And you look at the like of, you know, of Leeds and, and West Brom, and they did have that. Leeds is the obvious example. When a player was out, someone stepped in and and proved themselves perfectly capable of taking over the mantle. Forrest didn't really have that. Uh, and I think over a 46-game season with this weird suspension, I think that was probably, in hindsight, always likely to to be our undoing.
1: Um, There's always been kind of a lack of continuity in the manager's chair and the the club have stuck with Lamucci despite what happened. Do you you welcome that? Do you think it was the the right call to give him another shot to to bounce back?
0: I think it's one of those that we can only really judge in hindsight. Mm. I would have actually been reasonably comfortable either way, which probably strikes against what most people think. I think most people are very happy for him to get a second chance. I am worried about a hangover, particularly with the, the shortened summer break and the shortened transfer window. Uh, I am suspicious and I, I, I suspect what will happen is that we'll end up getting to October, November and have, have bobbed along slightly and then we'll make the change then, um, which is very a very forest thing to do. Yeah. Um, and that would be a shame because I suspect that the managers who are out there probably would prefer to come in with a with a six weeks to prepare. Um, you know, I heard the likes of you know it's a it's a it's an ambitious target, but the likes of Eddie Howe would be um, a brilliant appointment in my mind. And, and my worry is that we we just let this kind of uh, bob along a little bit, um, maybe even slump even further, and we're left in October with the team in mid-table and and an owner that wants us to be in the top six. Having said that, if he has back Lamucci, I, I suspect transfers must come with it. And particularly improving that, you know, those those backup players. But it's pretty hard window to sell players in, and Forrest have been perennially been bad at moving on those players who they don't feel are good enough because they've been high players to those players. So um yeah, I can't say I'm I'm wildly optimistic, but then maybe that's default for me as a Forest fan.
1: So do you fear the kind of the hangover then in terms of because of the short um, break between games? Obviously, I know you've interviewed Forest players before, so you know some of them a little bit in terms of you can kind of gauge their psyche perhaps a little bit. To what extent do you think there'll be um, a backlash or a hangover from what happened on that last, well, particularly the last game, but the last few games?
0: I think it's inevitable. You know, I think we too easily, uh, not just as Forest fans, but as football fans in general, we see footballers as as robots uh, mm. or performing animals more than more than human beings. And, you know, I would be worried if there wasn't, a, a you know, a real dip in confidence from that. That would suggest to me that something was wrong. Lamucci's job is to pick them off the floor. That was one of the arguments for a new manager in, the, uh, you know, a clean slate in which everyone could, could feel like they'd drawn a line under it was a distinct possibility without that it is on Lamucci and it's on those senior players you know the, the Michael Dawson's of that squad to try and G everyone up and bring everyone back to a level where they believe they can go in the season with that fresh start but it's far far easier said than done particularly mm. with a six, six seven week break I don't see how that can happen now it might be that you know the quality of of the training the the, the a potentially gentle fixture list at the start of the season might abate some of those concerns but I don't see how players can go in on match day one and not be thinking about what happened on match day 46.
1: Do you think then in that sense that there's going to be a big turnover of players just to kind of freshen them up and bring in uh, a slightly different mentality or at least a kind of clear-headed mentality after what happened?
0: It's difficult because I've always been a, a, an advocate with Forrest of less is more. Um, yeah. I think we've we've had so much upheaval and change. Not just in playing staff, but in managers and owners and everything over the last oh, decade, really. So I've always been an advocate of of less is more. Um, I hope he keeps that 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 key personnel there, and that that clearly depends on the likes of you know of Matty Cash and um, and even maybe Bryce Samba being targeted by other clubs because we're not immune to that, and we shouldn't have an arrogance that says we are because we're absolutely not. Um, and if the money comes in, then then clearly we'll aim to spend it. I don't want another year zero. It feels like we've had decades or years and years of year zero where everything feels like it feels like new. If you look at those clubs that have been successful in this league, the last 5 years a team that's lost in the playoffs has gone up the following season because they've managed to kind of retain that core within the squad and I hope we look to do the same. What I hope we do do is is two things. Firstly is improve the backup players and and get rid of some of the deadwood in the squad and secondly give more chances to the academy talent that's clearly coming through because I think that can be not just their influence on the pitch but it, it can set a kind of a precedent of a meritocracy at the club that that nobody has their own position within the team guaranteed that, that there is competition for places in every in every position. Get that right, and I think we can we can be better because I honestly believe that off the field we are far better than we were under the previous owners, but it feels like the same old problems seem to haunt for us a little bit. This
1: is a slightly tangent question. Did you enjoy last season in terms of the football? Because I didn't actually think it was that bad, but the way that the possession stats made it look like they didn't play much football, which I don't really agree with. Um, Did you enjoy it? And do you think Lamucci might have to change his tactics to take them to the next level?
0: I enjoyed, very obvious thing to say, but I enjoyed what we were good at. I kind of assumed that under Lamucci, we might be a team that, flattered to deceive a little bit and, and left itself slightly open defensively. And in fact, I was completely wrong. We were the opposite of that. We showed an ability mm-hmm. to grind out victories, albeit not towards the end of the season, that went far and above my expecta- expectation. And I was delighted by that. Um, I think he has a problem in terms of setting up the team at home against supposedly weaker opposition. I think he has a, a, a fairly pragmatic first choice plan A Uh, Mm. And we were lacking a plan B in certain scenarios. I think I think opponents learned that if they came at us at home uh, and didn't kind of pay us any respect, then they could be successful. And a number of teams set the blueprint for that and others others ran with it. So I think that needs to change. And whether it's whether it's by buying in another striker and going with two, you know, out and out centre forwards at home. I don't know. But he needs to find a solution to that for sure. But I, I really enjoyed the, you know, the the Brentford away, the West Brom away, the Fulham away, in which we almost did that to other teams. We we sat back, we soaked up some pressure, and and we we were efficient in the final third, which is not something I've said about teams, Forest teams, in the recent past. So, you know, the the ideal is we add to what we weren't so good at with retaining what what made us effective for the first six seven months of last season. Um, do that, and we've got a shot at the playoffs again. Because I don't think it'll be a hugely strong league next season. I think the coronavirus means that teams will be weakened and won't buy. And I think the teams coming down are all in this kind of state of flux where they don't really know what to expect from next season. So, other than Brentford, assuming they keep the core of their team, I think you know I think there is opportunity next season.
1: Yeah, I think one of the things that uh, I would say about Lamucci is a touch of the Warburtons about him in that. Plan A is, you know, Plan B is to do Plan A better, and I don't think mm. um, that's perhaps where he fell down a little bit. Just a couple of comments that are, are coming in. Um, Dean Brooks, he's Dean Brooks says the centre halves aren't good enough and got bullied. Other than Lolly and Grab, and we don't have any quality going forwards. Uh, I, do you think that's a bit extreme? I think there's an element of truth to some of that, but I think do you think he's going a bit too far there with the quality of those players.
0: Yeah, probably, and and it's worth pointing out that that Lolly didn't have anywhere near his best season in a forest shirt last season and still provided if he's able to kick on again next season, which we, we hope and expect him to be able to, we'll look better there. I don't think there's a I don't think we there's any blame at Lamucci's feet for relying on Lewis Graben. He was our pretty mm. much our only guaranteed starting centre forward every week and he scored twenty goals for the first time in a forest shirt for, for a long, long time. So there's no blame there. I understand why Lamucci had that plan, but um, you get found out over a 46 game season if you don't have a plan B. You know opposition managers now, with the rise of, you know, video analysis and and, and opposition scouting, they they work you out pretty quickly. And I think the reality is is that Forrest and Lomuichi got worked out. Um, the, the the task for his second season is to prove that he can move on from that and move the club on from that.
1: Where do you stand on Tyler Walker? You mentioned academy players. He's had a lot of loan spells where he's done well and he came back initially from Lincoln and was very prominent with that goal against Leeds but then drifted out of the picture. Do you think Tyler's reached that watershed moment where he might move on or not?
0: It's, it's always difficult with the academy players because I, I, I am guilty of, of championing them probably too much. We have to remember that two things. Firstly, we don't see them in training every day. Uh, and secondly... You know, no manager want, or very few managers want to cut off their nose to spite their faces. They they want the team to win. And if they believe that there are players in the background whose personality and abilities match the need of the team, I'm almost certain that they would play them. I don't see any reason for doing otherwise. Mm -hmm. You know, there there is one notable Forest manager in our past who may have thought slightly differently about that. Um, But in neither of his two spells was I confident in him. Um, but after that, I don't think I don't it doesn't stack up to me that a manager would deliberately leave out a player. So we have to assume that, that Lamucci doesn't rate Tyler Walker as highly enough either with his ability for the first team or his ability to fit in Lamucci's plan. If that's the case though, then I, I feel very sad about keeping those players on the touchline and not either selling them or giving them minutes if they're not gonna make the grade. So I would be looking to sell if if he's not right for the first team. The caveat to that is after another you know, another absence in the first team, maybe Walker is right. Maybe he's ready. Uh, and I would be disappointed if we didn't buy or Andy didn't play minutes early next season. But the the honest answer, and it's not very interesting, is that I don't know. I don't know about players like Walker. I don't know about players like Mighton. I don't know if they're ready or if that their, their kind of absence makes the heart grow fonder and makes us demand for them to see them more. Um, because we've had that down the years where we demanded for players to be in the team and then they get a chance and it doesn't really work out.
1: Mm. Um, I suppose there's a lot of question marks over a few players the main one at the moment's Matty Cash um, I, I, I mean I, I think it's fair to say he's a Premier League player quality player you wouldn't disagree with that would you do you think where where do you think his future lies
0: I'd dearly I, I love him to, to, to commit to the club um, you know by all accounts we rejected offers worth 12 or 15 million in January and I, I'm, my suspicion is that if those same offers came this summer we might consider selling him um, I think fullbacks are absolutely key in in you know towards the top end of the Premier League I don't know in the Championship and certainly with Lamucci's style of football whether that's the same case and if maybe that 15 million could be better spent elsewhere on the team but there's no doubt that, that, that Matty is a phenomenal right back for his age and and one who has a future in the Premier League with Forrest or without. Um, you know, I know West Ham have been linked and there's a pretty obvious gap within their squad that they might be looking to fill. Um, and if it, if it did transpire he left this summer, I'd wish him all the best in the world. I'd have no lingering bitterness towards him because I think he's been everything and more we could have expected from him last season. He's one of those players who didn't really tail off towards the season. He he kept trying to do everything he he had tried to do and was kind of let down by those people next and in, in front of him in the team. Uh, so my suspicion is that Forrest are kind of weighing everything up, and there will be a flurry of bids and and deals in the next maybe maybe leave it three weeks and then see what happens towards the end of the window and when the season started, because I don't see how we can just go out and spend this summer with, with FFP as it is.
1: Do you weirdly think that uh, Cash is probably the best player, but in a way of the, the assets he's the one you could most afford to let go because they've got right backs waiting in the wings. And like you say, Lamucci's style means that you can sort of get away with just a steady, decent right back. Do you think, that's fair that cash is kind of expendable in a weird sense.
0: I think he's, he's he's in the unique situation of being probably our most valuable player were to sell him tomorrow. And as you say, in a position where we might like to feel we've got cover, you know, I can't abide the thought of of selling Lewis Graben this summer. I can't mm. abide the thought of selling Bryce Samba. I'd be massively against selling Joe Lolly unless it was for, for silly money. So, um, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, it, it's, it does no disservice to Matty Cast that I think he could be the one to go this summer. If anything, it's a, a huge compliment that, that Premier League and and if we're led to believe European giants have, have scouted him and like him. But if it allows Forest to in, improve the team in, in all areas, then you know that kind of has to be the way forward because, as I say, we're not in a financial position where we can go out and spend eight, nine, 10 million on players. And we're also not able in a position to do that to buy the kind of you know, guesswork. You know, I, I look mm-hmm. at the players like Jacques Carvalho, I look at some of those players we signed in the late Fawaz years and there was a lot of guesswork going in there. I, I think Forest need to kind of have everything sorted and everyone be on board with any signing that comes in for more than three or four million pounds now because we are high payers in terms of wages. And if we're going to do that, they sort of have to be bankers in a world where bankers don't really exist.
1: Yeah, I mean, Peter Waller here says we need to have a far better summer transfer wise than we did in January. It cost us dearly, but you, like you say, the, the football world's different now, and um, this is where recruitment, um, uh, scouting people are going to earn their money more than ever, isn't it? Do you think Forest are well set to do that because they they made some good signings from abroad? But last summer, do you think they might be missing bargains in League One potentially? That that kind of avenue that might be the way to go.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm certainly not against doing that. Um, you know, you look at one of the one of the only players we've sold for profit in the last basically decade is is on Sombolonga, who who came in from a from a League One side and and did well enough at at the City Ground that we were able to sell him for a profit. Um, I think we absolutely should be looking at doing that. Whether it's both from, a, I, I, I don't really separate abroad and lower league. I don't think they're mutually exclusive. I think there's a market out there of players who, for whatever reason, be it where they play or which division they play, playing, are are available at, um, if not bargain prices, then certainly sensible fees. And I think you know the one offset benefit for for Forest of the coronavirus is that there are teams in leagues below and, and presumably abroad who might have to accept cut price fees for their for their potential you know if they young talent and that's where I think we should be looking you know I know there are no bankers there but I'd much rather that I think I think we're set now for for you know key senior players players who are 26 and over who we we hope and assume will have a positive influence on the squad what I think we need now are those you know it doesn't take an overhaul it takes four three or four players in key positions who Immediately bump up the team with their exuberance, with their youth, with their current ability. Uh, and we have to, as you say, we have to allow the Scout Network to get that right. I don't think it always has got that right. I think we've been a little bit scattergun. Uh, and I hope this is the summer for us to refine that. Uh,
1: I'll just read out Daniel Barnett's comment because, like, three seconds before you said scattergun, he said it's a scattergun approach to bring in seven or eight a season, which is true. So give him some credit for that. Um, Liam Hill, thoughts on Luke Freeman from Sheffield United, Daniel, which is kind of an additional Joao Carvalho debate. Have you seen much of Freeman and where do you think Carvalho fits, if at all, in the current setup? Uh,
0: I mean, I haven't seen a lot of Luke Freeman last season because he didn't play an awful lot. No, he, was, he was obviously yeah. excellent in the Championship. Um, mm-hmm. my, my concern about assigning Premier League players is that there's two reasons or there's three reasons for a Premier League player to take that move down the divisions the first is that he's desperate to play football wants to play football loves the game that's a very positive assessment the second is that the club that sign him are are prepared to offer Premier League wages and I think that's something that Forrest if you look at the wage will probably have been able to do to their fault Mm. um yeah. And the third is that he loves Forrest. And I don't think that's, you know, there's no criticism of Luke Freeman, but I don't think he has a particular affinity with Nottingham Forrest. So we have to assume it's on either the first or the second. And I'd always be a little bit worried about buying players on Premier League wages um, because we've done it so often in the past and it's not worked. As far as Carvalho is concerned, it saddens me to say it because I was excited when he came, but... I think his race has probably run now at Forest. So much water has gone under the bridge. You know, he's had chances under multiple managers. You know, he's had chances under multiple um, systems, around multiple teammates, and no one has really been able to find a place. He he strikes me as a luxury player in a division in which all the best teams have flair players, but they don't have luxury players. They don't have players who um, kind of have free roles. Everyone has to work. You look at Brentford and you look at Leeds and for all the flair in those teams no player gets away with without pulling his weight and if there is, a, is an accusation against Carvalho it's that he's a luxury player and that's not necessarily a criticism it's just a fact of life and yeah, I don't really see it work it would be a huge surprise now if next season he started 35-45 games and led a team on or dragged a team on.
1: One point I would make about Carvalho I agree with everything you say I think Silva played a lot in that advanced midfielder role I was reading Paul Taylor's piece in the Athletic where he said he only got three goals and four assists and I think Carvalho would get more than that over the course of a season and maybe Lamucci's a bit uh, stubborn for his own good but like you say Carvalho doesn't really fit that system so do you think Lamucci He's not going to. He's not going to change his system, is he? It's got. He, he's quite rigid. It's got to be a change in personnel, if anything. You think, then?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the only way that he he changes his system, maybe with the exception of those those home games against supposedly weaker opposition, we mentioned, is is if we get a player in who, you know, after signing him in training and in his early games. Um, Surprises us with his with his talent and just how good he is, and surprises those who recruited him with just how good he is and how easily he fits in. The reality is is that Carvalho hasn't done that in either way. He hasn't he hasn't wowed enough on the pitch to justify any extended faith, I don't think, uh, and he hasn't justified in terms of his ability to drag players on around. Him. One of the great things about Lolly in, you know, in eighteen nineteen wasn't just how good he was, but in just how much he led by example and demanded the ball off players and dragged those players along round him. Um, I don't think I've, I've seen that from from how in a in a Forest shirt. And the reality is, is that when you spend fifty million pounds on a player, you do expect that in the Championship. You don't just expect a player to look good on the ball and look good in training and have four or five excellent touches per, per ninety minutes. You need more than that.
1: Is going off on a bit of a, a tangent again. Is Lolly the most kind of interesting player that you've interviewed? I know you did a long interview with him a while ago, just in terms of his background, his openness to talk about social issues, that kind of thing. As a character and from a journalistic point of view, uh, is he the most fascinating player you've interviewed or up or player?
0: Yeah, in terms of Nottingham or Nottingham-based at the time footballers, he is certainly up there there's it's basically him and him and Shola Amiobi uh knots who both have this kind of um sort of sideways glance on the game because they come from a, a slightly different position Shola because of his his family background and his religion um and his personality and and Joe because of as you say his his different route into the game and his um you know sideways glance is a little bit of a trite way of saying it because actually it's not just that it's a it's a completely different personality type than than you often find in the game it's someone who is has managed to carve himself out a career in which he has done incredibly well to make the most of his talent but also retain this other personality in which he's able to offer very erudite and sensible views on um you know on on Social life in general, and you know politics and the NHS, and mm. um, and football. Quite frankly, you know, he strikes you within ten minutes of speaking to him. He strikes you as someone who would make an excellent coach or manager when he retires, whether he wants to or not. I don't know, but his football manager career suggests that maybe he does. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's he's a delight. You know, he's someone who you don't feel like he's rushing you. You don't feel like you've only got ten minutes. He's someone that makes you feel. Very welcome in his company, which is, um, is not easy to do when you the, you you know you suffer the pressures that all footballers do.
1: Yeah, I mean, I remember many years ago. This is like ten years ago. He must be like eighteen or nineteen. I remember when he was playing for Littleton and the team I cover then, Nuneaton, were trying to sign him, and it just shows that there are players out there who can take that drastic turn from non-league and really make it. I know it's a very small pool, and it's really bucks the trend, but it's great to see how well he's done. Um, you touched on next season a little bit in terms of your optimism how how just to expand on that are you do you think mid-table or do you think because you touched on about the quality of the league likely being lower, does that give you rise for hope of a another kind of backdoor into the playoffs type season how do you feel about it
0: I mean I think two things I think firstly Evangelos Marinakis has not did not take over Forest to, to keep them in the championship he did that because he had ambitions of taking them to the Premier League which is or can be I think both a blessing and, and a curse I think it leads to a, a distinct amount of impatience and that impatience often bleeds into Forest supporters and I, I, I you know, 100% understand that um, but Sabu Lamucci is is on the same page. I don't think he managed Forrest to be a championship manager. He managed Forrest because he he saw himself as a top-flight manager with us or without us. Uh, and until, I'd say, until football's restart, Lamucci was the first manager in a long, long time that I could see Forrest more likely to lose to another club than, than SAC. Um, probably since the days of... Um, going right back basically almost really to to bluff yeah it hasn't we haven't we haven't had many managers who i think big bigger clubs are going to be scouting and targeting these i think that was probably different for lamucci and until restart but now i don't know my hope is that he has a the bit between his teeth to say i've got a reputation to save here you know i don't want to go out the same side door that so many other managers have um and i think everyone at the club will be saying it's top six or nothing this season. Um, and that they are helped, I think, by by the coronavirus and by the quality of the league. The question is whether, if it starts badly, then the impatience comes back, the new manager comes back, the kind of year zero stuff comes back. And, mm-hmm. and in a year's time, we're sat here with a club that failed to make the playoffs again. Uh, I can't honestly say hand on heart I'm confident in us doing that, but they did surprise me through some of last season. And I hope that those bits have been retained and they're able to build on them.
1: Just let me throw a couple of names at you that fans are pointing out. Maybe you can answer this more with a fan hat on than a journalist hat on, unless you've got some inside information. Um, Phil Bullard, Ben Watson to go, Colbach to, to return. Um, do you see Watson leaving realistically because his London connections and possibly Colbach returning?
0: I don't, I mean, with Watson, it, it, it You know, it depends on the wage he'll get elsewhere unless he gets an inkling from the manager that he's not considered to be a a starter next season. And on the basis of last season, assuming his his age doesn't decline his form any much, I think he probably would be a starter. But I have heard all the the callback stories. It's clear that he has no future at Newcastle. He didn't under the last manager and he doesn't under this manager. The problem is wages again because we were paying him an awful lot for his his loan spell uh, and he would presumably... Command an awful lot again, um he sees himself as a Premier League footballer, and it's all very well having the demands to get Forrest up there. But if you then have to pay them twenty five thirty thousand pounds a week to do so, um it's, it's a hard one to sell to me quite frankly. I understand that these players may may offer more to the team and may improve the first team, but in the realities of of the financial climate as it is, that isn't enough. You can't just say, "Is he better for the first team? you do have to look at those wages so fully wage dependent for me if they if, if they can get in callback for for the same money as Watson then I think it's probably a sensible deal given what we saw from Jack before but he hasn't played football for for getting on for you know a year now and mm-hmm. you know that's a very hard thing to to gamble on I think.
1: Um, Lyle Taylor's popped up a couple of times for uh, Dean Brook here any truth inside Lyle Taylor from Charlton I will a hat tip to Forest Analytics on Twitter. I read an article he did about stats around potential signings. I didn't realise Lyle Taylor's stats were quite so good, Having and obviously scored twice against Forrest. He, he's kind of in that grabber mould. I don't know if you've seen a lot of him, but is he the kind of free transfer target that would appeal to you, even if he is, I think, 30? Does that put you off at all?
0: No, I, I do like Lyle Taylor. I really do um the only caveat (laughs) without wanting to constantly negative the only caveat i'd have is i I hope he desperately wants to come to the club i suspect hearing the list of clubs who have potentially been interested in him particularly on a free transfer his his earning potential will be high because clubs are saving on the transfer fee and i suspect if i was and even speaking as a forest fan if i was him i'd be wait i'd be thinking is there another offer is there an offer from a a Premier League, you lower know, half Premier League club is there an offer from an SPL club? Is there an offer from abroad even before committing to Forest? If I was one hundred percent convinced that he really wanted this move, then I'd I would welcome it hugely. Um, but I hope we would sign him because he wants to be here, not because you know, I don't necessarily mind him being a, as being a stepping stone club. If he does really well and we sell him, great, mm. um, because that benefits everyone. But I just I, I suspect he's got bigger ideas at the moment or maybe his agent has got bigger ideas at the moment.
1: Um, just looking back a bit, we'll come back to the transfer stuff, but what's your Forest story? I mean, are you, um, uh, which team do you kind of resonate with from from growing up? And are you were Nottingham Lad?
0: Yeah, born and bred in Nottingham. Uh, I left to go to uni and that that's it. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm born in 85. So my first season ticket was 91-92 mm. and I had a Wembley trip the end of that season which was great but yeah like so many people my age it's that 94 95 class who I have a real affinity with and and the iconic players who lasted before and after that generation I mean very obviously thing to say but basically Pierce and Collymore and then Roy and Wohan and Stone and and then after that there's a the pretty horrible gap but gaps that are permeated by Andy Reid and Chris Cohen basically um, as my kind of iconic go-to heroes and it's been brilliant to see two of those players back in in, you know under the club's wing in the recent past is is fantastic for me I think that's a really bold and positive step but yes I am I I am of that generation that both missed out on the real glory years um, was very young to see the Brian Clough decline and then have had this horrible vacuum of success post nineteen ninety six. So, yeah, I consider myself unfortunate in that regard.
1: Just as we begin to wind down, then we'll throw a couple of questions away at the end. But um, when do you do you see Forest realistically ever establishing themselves in the Premier League again? And what kind of ceiling can a club like that, this have when you look at Leicester's success? versus, you know, a team like Leeds or obviously Forest that can drop down out of the league? What's the kind of long-term optimistic prognosis for Nottingham Forest?
0: I mean, if I wasn't a Forest fan, I'd say it was positive. You know, I think if you, asked, if you surveyed a fan, of, uh, you know, 50 fans of football in general, none of whom who supported Forest or had any affinity with the club, I think most of them would have them in their ideal Premier League. Um, they probably might all be of a certain age, but I think there is a sense still that Forest is a big club that doesn't just come from our own fans hanging on to glorious history. And there is a potential there in the club at the moment with with the owners they've got. If they are committed on and off the field, which I hope they are, um, there clearly is a potential there. But I think what Forest has to do is um, is to realise pretty quickly, and I think that the, we are going through this process at the moment that. History counts for absolutely nothing. Um, That only by having this, building this sustainable future, can we establish ourselves any higher than we are at the moment. Um, You know, this rampant short-termism that has haunted the club over the last 10 years has has got to be fully eradicated. Because without it, we you know we can move forward, but with it, I think it'll always be an albatross around the neck. And as I say, I hope we'll do that, and I hope we're moving towards that horrible late-season collapses notwithstanding.
1: I think that's a good optimistic note to finish on, mostly. Um, thanks to everyone that's put questions to us here today on Facebook. You can obviously listen to this later on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Acast, and we'll be on YouTube as normal. And then we shall be back as soon as possible uh, with another episode next week. Thanks for joining us, Daniel. appreciate it. i bombarded you with questions on transfers there, but uh, I do yes, appreciate your time no thanks for having me thank you thanks very much everyone and we'll catch you soon uh thanks for joining us thank you for listening to garibaldi red a nottingham forest podcast if you enjoyed today's episode then please let us know we love hearing your feedback we'll be back soon with another episode thanks for listening